This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Chances are you haven't heard of the Kabadawalas of India. These unsung environmental heroes collect waste from individual households, sort and process the scrap, and sell the materials to larger recyclers for very small amounts of money. This is where Repurpose enters the picture. This nonprofit social venture, launched by a team of Wharton undergrads, wants to create an ethical and efficient recycling supply chain. By doing so, Repurpose will double the income of Kabadawalas and divert waste from landfills toward recycling. Svanika Balasubramanian, who co-founded Repurpose, is here to tell us more about the startup that this year won a Class of 2018 President's Engagement Prize. Hi, Svanika. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. So I think a great place to start is for us to better understand the Repurpose business model. So can you tell us a little bit about your organization? Yeah, definitely. So when we think about repurpose, we almost think about it as being a marketplace for waste. So you have, like, if you want to buy anything, you can go and you know exactly where to get it from, and there's this kind of efficiency associated with it. But when you want to buy waste and you want to recycle it, there really isn't any one place you can go. And this lack of efficiency was what we wanted to correct. So repurpose, at a very high-level overview, is just a marketplace that connects the different different players. And so I can go a little bit into who these different players are. And um, in in a very uh, high-level kind of speak, there are three players. So first is the waste generators, like you and I. So we get in a bottle of Coke, we drink it, now we have this plastic bottle and we don't know what to do with it. So the first link is just us, the people who produce this waste. And then the second link, um, especially in developing countries, this is where you see most of it, are people who come in and they collect these bottles, paper, plastic, whatever it may be. We call them kabadiwalas. And uh, they bring it back to their stores and they're the ones who sort it into the different subcategories of waste. So if you take a plastic bottle, the screw top is a thicker kind of plastic and so it recycles differently to the remaining part of the bottle. And again, the paper, the wrapper paper, that again recycles differently. So they differentiate it, they break it apart into little pieces, and then they sell it to the third part, the third stakeholder in this marketplace, which are the recyclers. And they're the ones with the machines that can actually take in these different products and crunch it, make it into little pellets, and then go on and actually recycle it. And if you look at places like India, the Philippines, Brazil, um, you see this common problem that there really isn't any kind of good connection between these three links. And so there's no way way for people like you and I to efficiently reach these kabadiwalas in the middle. And what happens today is the kabadiwala wakes up and goes, I need I need to sort waste today. So I'm just going to go knock on every household that I see. I'm going to knock on the door and be like, hey, do you have any paper? Do you have any plastic? Do you have any metal that I can buy off of you? And so whatever this kabadiwala is able to salvage, he brings it back. And this is pretty much the only way that recyclable waste gets into this chain because everything else that this Kabadiwala is not able to salvage ends up in a landfill because 
places like India, they don't necessarily have recycling bins in all places, and there isn't that kind of a system put into place. And then on the other side is Kabadiwala. Once he, like, finishes sorting it, he has no clue who the recycler is that he actually has to sell to. What happens is a recycler, so suppose I'm the recycler, and I have machines that I bought that can actually recycle plastic. And there's plastic type A, type B, and type C. I wake up in the morning and I say, my type A machine is at capacity. My type B machine, I don't have enough ways. So I'm just going to send my truck to roam the cities of India and just see, like, if I'm in Mumbai, so I'm just going to have a truck roam through Mumbai and just see if I can find any Kabadiwala who will sell me plastic. And so if he finds it, good for him. If not, then you don't. The type B plastic machine is not operating at capacity. So as you can see, like, it's a very haphazard system um, and there isn't much consolidation there. There isn't much horizontal or vertical integration. And so that's kind of where repurpose comes in. And we say we're just going to connect all of these different moving parts together. And so, again, just to recap, three links. So you have the waste generators, so people like us, houses, housing complexes, universities. Then you have the kabadiwalas in the middle, and then you have the recyclers on one end. And on this side of it, what we say is, instead of Kabadiwala's going from door to door, we say, why don't you connect with us and we'll put you in touch with bulk waste generators, like big housing complexes, like universities. Because universities produce so much more garbage than a household would. And it's so much more efficient for us to connect individual Kabadiwala's and pool them and take them to a housing complex because it's just way higher volume. And in that sense, we're able to double their volume. And then on the other side of things, we are able to connect these recyclers with the Kabadiwala. So the recyclers wake up and they send us a text message saying, today I need three tons of type B plastic. What can you do for me? And we say, okay, we have a pool of 150 Kabadiwalas we're working with, and we know what kind of plastic they have. We know what kind of waste they have. So we're going to send our truck to like 200 kgs from this guy, 300 from here, and we're going to pull that across and give it to the recyclers. So it's kind of just making the whole system more streamlined, and in doing so, we're increasing margins, we're increasing volumes, and together these Kabadiwalas are doubling their income on an annual basis. So by year one, we're thinking about a $400,000 uh, income increase for these Kabadiwalas, and about 52,000 tons of waste that we'll be diverting away from from landfills and into the recycling supply chain. So it's really a social enterprise in both ways. Yeah, environmental yeah. and uh, kind of social with the Kabadiwalas, yeah. Yeah, so how did you arrive at this idea? And my guess is that you probably did quite a bit of market research with the Kabadiwalas as well. Is yeah. that true? We did. It was, it was, we spent a long time in India. Um, and I think we actually came up with the, we identified the environmental problem first. Uh, so my co-founders and I, we were at one of India's, one of Asia's largest landfills, actually. It's called Devnar East. And this is an enormous landfill. It's almost like a city of waste. And if you walk through it, it's just buildings of waste rising on both sides. And you're walking through 
fluid and you're like, is this going to fall on me at any time? It's just tons and tons of garbage, dogs roaming about. And at one point we realized that we thought we were walking at ground level, but we were actually walking on 15 feet of waste. They just covered it with a layer of soil, but we were not at sea level. We were on 15 feet of waste and there was like a 30 feet uh, waste like continuum on either side. And we thought this is not sustainable. And you have a growing city right next door. And as the population increases, their waste consumption is also, their consumption is going to increase as is their waste generation. And so we need to come up with a better solution that doesn't direct all the waste just into these landfills. So we came out and we were thinking, okay, what are we going to do about this? What can, be, what can be done? And right at the gate of this landfill, we saw Ikabadiwala. And at that point, we hadn't actually um, met many Kabadiwalas. So we said, okay, he looks like he's dealing with some kind of garbage, there's trash in his shop, let's go talk to him. And what he said to, to us, that first Kabadiwala, that really um, shook us because he said, uh, I barely have enough waste on a daily basis to make any kind of meaningful income. I can't send my children to school. I don't have enough for healthcare concerns because, you know, dealing with waste, you get a lot of respiratory conditions. and I don't have any money to treat that. And I'm making less than $7 a day. And he just had all of these complaints because he was not well connected and he didn't have enough supply of waste. And we thought, there's this fundamental mismatch between people like him who are impoverished, who need waste, they want to recycle waste and are not able to access it, and he's just feet away from this landfill that has tons and tons of recyclable waste that now cannot be retrieved because it's, you know, in, inside the dumps. And we said, okay, this is where we come in. And there's this way of, like, redirecting this waste so that it solves both of these problems. You're a senior graduating in a few weeks, and have you always considered yourself an entrepreneur? Uh, you know, have you been developing this idea all throughout your time here at Wharton? What's your journey been like? My journey <laughs> It's very uh, interesting because I, I was born in India, uh, but I grew up in the Middle East. I grew up in Oman, mm -hmm. and just all my life I've kind of been raised in this mindset that there's a lot of change to be created in the world. Um, my grandparents were very involved in the Indian independence movement. They ran refugee camps in India. My parents were involved in migrant rights issues in Oman, and so I always knew that when I grew up, I'd be doing something to create social good. And I came to Wharton, um, I chose to come to Penn because I think for-profit social enterprises are the best way to create change in today's society. And they're the most efficient ways of creating change. And so that's what my business education was kind of informing me towards. And last year, so I'm a senior and I'm in the Joseph Wharton Scholars Program. And as part of the Joseph Warden Scholars Program, we have to write a senior honors thesis. And um, as I was in this thesis class, and one of my co-founders, Peter, also happened to be in that class, and that's how we met each other. And he was working with the Indian waste management industry. And so we met, we got talking, we got very excited about it, and we said, okay, like let's, let's look more into it. And Peter had been working on some variation of this for a year before uh, he started working on it through the Halt Prize that Penn also hosts. And, uh, but he'd just been going through different 
were models. And once I got on board, we also got on board a third member, Aditya Saroya, who's a uh, junior. And so then the three of us made multiple visits to India. And through the course of last semester, we were there in January. We were there for an entire month doing market research, um, putting together a proposal. And so kind of that all just snowballed together. And I think Repurpose just fits very, very well with my interests um, because I always wanted to go into having a social enterprise. And so it just all kind of came together. Yeah. And what's the future for Repurpose now that you're graduating? Yeah, it's been very exciting because uh, extremely honored and so grateful to have won uh, the President's Engagement Prize for 2018. And as part of that prize, we get a $100,000 grant that goes directly towards the project, as well as $50,000 as individual stipends. And so right now, and we've been really fortunate to get a few other grants from other sources at Wharton and uh, Wharton Social Impact Initiative and uh, other Penn uh, organizations. So we're going to take that funding that we have, and we have the idea, now it's just implementation, putting it together and making this vision we have in our heads into reality. So we're moving, uh, the three of us are moving officially to Mumbai, where we're going to start operations end of July, uh, beginning of August. And we're going to just, yeah, kick it into high gear and see how it goes. That sounds great. I wish you luck. Thank you so much. So what would you say is your greatest takeaway thus far from this process of developing your idea and, you know, really becoming an entrepreneur? Um, you know, what would you say has really stuck with you and, and something that you feel is maybe life-changing in the way you perceive things? Ah, that's very interesting. There are so many takeaways, and I think being an entrepreneur is amazing because you get to wear so many different hats every day. You go into work and today you're fundraising. Tomorrow you're brainstorming about different prototypes. The next day you're trying to come up with partnerships. You're thinking about marketing initiatives. And so every day is like a new discovery and you're finding new talents that you didn't know you had. Um, but I think maybe the biggest takeaway is that a lot of times people think that just having the passion and the, this ambition, this fire inside you to help people is never enough. You know, you think before I can go ahead, get my feet wet, I need to have the perfect idea. I need to have the perfect solution at day one or it's not going to work. And I think through this journey, my co-founders co and I just, I think it's a lot of people, you learn that you're never going to have the perfect solution at day one and the real thing is just just keep pushing you know like uh, you're gonna you're gonna fail a few times and it's okay because you're gonna learn from it I know it sounds cliched and you hear this when you're not doing it but you never internalize it but it's true as long as you really really believe in what you're doing you just keep persevering and things will work out and you just have to have that faith that things are going to work out because what you're doing is meaningful and it's going to help people. Svanika, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.